This is the BBC. This podcast is supported by advertising outside the UK. This is the Coast and Country download from the BBC. You can find the terms and conditions on our website at www.bbc.co.uk forward slash radio 4. Today you can hear Open Country with me, Helen Mark. I think it's that tree in there. That tree that's next to that bush. And how do you know it might be in there? Well, because it says on this GPS that it's about 18 metres away, so... Have we any clues as to what we're actually looking for? Um... We've stopped at a tree, lots of ivy growing up it, gorgeous yellow leaves on it. Oh, I found it! Yeah, down the ditch. So you're taking part in what's known as geocaching. Yeah. Now, I'm a bit of a beginner. Explain to me what has just happened. I've just found this box in a tree which belongs to people who do geocaching. And they might be, like, dotted around everywhere and you need to try and find them. And then... And you find them using your GPS gadget? because it might say how far away you are from it or... Whether you need to go north, northeast, east. Introduce yourself to me and how old you are. My name is Amaya and I'm just turned 13. And so for this week's Open Country, I am delving into the world of geocaching. It's like a modern day treasure hunt, which has become, in the past year or so, immensely popular. I've come to Salsey Forest in Northamptonshire where a mega geocaching event is being hosted. Now, normally people just go out in ones and twos. This is very different. Hundreds of people have come together to spread out into the countryside, through the forest, to find as many caches as they can. And I'm going to be part of that. into the Hartwell Community Centre and what they're doing is they're using this as a hub, an HQ, so that people who are doing the geocache trails can come here, you can meet other geocachers, they can form groups, maybe just take a break from all the activities. But it's quite strange being in here because of the time of year. What they've decided to do is have this Halloween theme. So you've got your normal walkers in their boots and you know, anoraks, but mingling amongst them, we've got people dressed as skeletons and witches and warlords, and there's ghouls and ghosties about all over the place, so it, it does, it adds an extra element of fun. It's a great atmosphere, you know, after you've been in the forest to come in and you suddenly realise you're part of a huge event. This is where I've come to find Colin Wells, he's one of the organisers. Hello there, how are you doing? I'm fine. I'll tell you what, Colin, can we go outside away from yeah, the, absolutely. the wonderful Coffee. mayhem that's in Get here? Get a bit of quiet, yeah. Yeah. How many people do you think you've got taking part? Uh, we'll have 1,200 people here today from all around the world. Some of them here and the rest just spread through Spread Salsi through Salsi Forest, yeah. They've got about 20 miles of intercrossing routes to work their way through, so they'll be quite busy for most of the day. <laughs> and why did you want to do geocaching this way, Colin? Well, geocaching is something that myself and the rest of the crew are all active participants in and we enjoy the sport and going out and enjoying the walks that people set up for us. And this was just sort of like a small Halloween event that has just taken off massively. Somebody thought, let's put a few caches out and have it fancy dress one Halloween four years ago. 
and 100 people turned up to that and it's just got bigger and bigger to the size we are today. And really that is the story of geocaching today, yeah. that possibly when it started, was it more, you know, sort of navigation aid geeks who loved that sort of stuff? <laughs> Absolutely, yeah. I mean, in, in 2001, the military switched off the uh, accurate positioning systems that only they had access to and they made it open to the wider community. It could pinpoint your location down to a metre. That opened it up to a few technical geniuses that thought, hey, let's test this technology. I'm going to hide a box and see if some of my friends can find it. Posted the coordinates on the internet and geocaching was born. And the big wave of masses of geocaches came in when the um, smartphones had GPS devices built into them. So now people can download a geocaching app and they can get the coordinates and the satellite imagery straight through to their phone that tells them where all the caches are and they can upload their own coordinates and say, this is where my cache is, come and find it. And a cache. And a geocache is a play on words from geology, the earth, uh, and a cache is sort of like the old gold caches or weapons caches, previously a secret stash, basically. But it also has a computer-based meaning, which is the storage of device memory and access... It's sort of like words interlap to become a geocache, which is a container that can be of any shape, size or form that has the facility to hold a logbook, little pad or a roll of paper that people can sign in to say, I've been here, to prove that they've been there, really. And they'll also do their online logging to say that they've been there as well. So that's the um, old and the new together. Old and the new <laughs> together. And the geocache, if they're bigger ones, they'll have swag in them. And swag is like swappable items for children that they can trade items. And the idea with geocaching is you take something out and you put something back as a similar or equal value. No, don't go down that way. You're out with your family doing some geocaching. Yes. You're suitably dressed in uh, chains and um, scary werewolf masks. Yes, I can pull my mask down. And you're out with your family. <laughs> yes, uh, these are our friends. This is my son. And He's how old are you? Five. Five, and you're dressed as a vampire. Yeah. What do you like about geocaching? Finding the caches. <laughs> do you get sent into the bushes to look for them, into all the tiny wee species? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he gets all the, the tricky ones. This is my wife. Hello. Hi. Is this a one-off thing for you? Um, no, we're geocaching primary, and we're here with our friends, who are also geocachers. Hello. We tend to cache together quite a lot. Uh, we're all from Norfolk, so we've travelled here just today specifically for this. Do you think it helps people, and then particularly your young children, connect with the countryside? Yeah, I think so, yeah. I think it definitely does, yeah. It makes them more observant as well and aware of things, because obviously as they're walking along, they're having to look and actually see where it, where it could be. Uh, and a lot of the time they actually get there and we're like, right, where do we go? And they've already got it. <laughs> Why, though, are you having it in Salsi Forest? Well, Salsi Forest is uh, a beautiful medieval forest with some beautiful trails all the way through it that interact and intercut. And the Forestry Commission have been really good and given us permission to use their, their forest. It's just got the scope and the space to put the caches in there. But, you know, geocaching, you know, there's been some controversies around Absolutely. it. You know, a bit of trespass goes yeah. on because yeah. we're talking about geocaching yeah. all around the world. I mean, geocaches need to be responsible about where they place them. And the, the rules for geocaching clearly state that you have to have the owner, landowner's written permission to place the cache in that location. There's other guidelines as where it's suitable to place caches and where they're not. And they go through a reviewing process. There are occasions where people place caches where they haven't got permission um, and it does give geocaching a bad name. There's also been occasions where people have placed large containers under benches in city centres, which isn't ideal because the bomb squad have blown a couple up. Mm. 
Uh, and we also, funnily enough, I also heard an incident recently where the fire service were called out to rescue a lady that was stuck up a tree that was retrieving the geocache. <laughs> so, it, yeah, it's like any sport, it has people that don't play by the rules and it gives it a bad reputation sometimes. How many caches are there then around the whole countryside, do you know? Um, in the UK, you've got 180,000 plus. Around the world, there's two and a quarter million. Now, in 2009, when I first started geocaching, there was just under a million geocaches, so you can see the growth. Well, I know that you've also got some nighttime trails set up, so I don't know if I should say I'm looking forward to that bit, but anyway, with all these strange costume people about the place, but yeah. that's for later on. But what I want to do now is yeah. head back out into the forest yeah. and meet up with some people, because it's an international gathering. You have people from all over the place. We're from Holland. We're from Holland, and you're from South Florida. Florida, in the US, to come and do geocaching. Yes. yes. All the way just to do this. Yes. Absolutely. Yes. My name is John Kane. I'm Julian Dressler Kane. Mm-hmm. I'm Agnes Reins. <laughs> and I'm Daniela Fabaton. Right. And you, John, have got the tablet. I and you're going to set tablet. us a, a route. Yes. So the closest physical cache is called mm. What's Your Poison? <laughs> and, and you tap if that. You tap on that. It's going to tell us about the cache. And it's, it's where it coordinates. Is. Right. Mm hmm. And then, can I tap navigate sure. to geocache? Um, 382 feet. Let's go. Wait, which Let's way? Go. Let's go find well, the geocache. For us, the beauty of geocaching is it leads us around parts of England we, we normally wouldn't see. And generally, it's in nice locations. We understand footpaths now, bridleways. We didn't understand all those before. And a very different landscape to what you're used to in Florida, obviously. Very much so, because it's always uh, scrubby with pine trees. This is so varied. You can be walking along a canal towpath, for example, which we absolutely love, and we watch the narrowboats go by. And it's quite funny because all the Brits wonder why we're bent over in the, in the hedgerow for 10 minutes searching for something. It's a nice way to combine exercise, seeing the countryside, being taken to ruins of old churches, for example, uh, that we as Americans would never have seen. So we follow the path, we go through, now this is a, a wide open, this is a hedgerows on either side, wide open track, very slippery underfoot. And you, you could guess you'd come to a cache, couldn't you, John? Because there's lots of people hovering about. Well, since, since their 800 or 900 of our closest friends are in the area, it's inevitable we're going to run across others who are all doing the same thing we're doing. But let's see what uh, they've hidden for us to take a look so we can sign the logs up. Right, so the coordinates have brought us to this point, John. So well, do you, do you have you, to look around, you know, we're in this well, thicket? You, you try to look around and try to figure out where the geocache might have been hidden. Right, so, uh, right John's sort of down on his hunkers. You, if you, you know, be careful, you can slip right down that. There's Sorry. a great muddy puddle below you, but you found... This is the geocache, <laughs> which was done appropriately for Halloween. So we've got a cup and right. it's full of eyeballs and spiders. Yeah, and, and I assume that the logbook is somewhere in the eye. <laughs> so we're going to write, we'll eventually write a log on uh, telling the story of finding this cache and how we were greeted by several scary looking critters. <laughs> <laughs> And then hopefully encourage other people and, to come and to, to do it. Yeah. And, and this group, did you meet through geocaching yes. Holland, the United States? Uh, yes. Yeah. It was, it was through a trackable track- object yeah. that we left in Bangkok, Thailand, that she and her partner found and took back to Holland with them. 
and we became friends that way. We by email, huh? By email. Yeah, we had contact by email. We invited them, and they came over to our country, which we took them down to the Florida Keys. But discovering landscapes, yes. that you can do that through geocaching. Yeah. What, you mean in a way that you can't do with a guidebook and a map? No. Absolutely. So we, when we travel, we don't do guidebooks anymore. We do geocaching because generally the, you can only hide a geocache within 50 miles of your home. So if you placed one, you're placing it someplace you wish to bring us to show us something in many cases. Parks monuments, old churches. And so it's local knowledge of landscape correct. and love of landscape being passed on to people who are coming to that place for the through, first time. Through geocaching. It's a real interesting tool. Would you like to go on to the next cache? I'd like what? to get in the woods. Let's go. Yeah. Yes. John, how far right. are we going? 17 yeah. miles. <laughs> what? Salsi Forest is owned by the Forestry Commission and Joe Roberts, you're the ranger here. It's a wonderful plantation of native trees, isn't it? I haven't seen a conifer yet. We've got a few conifer stands, but we're trying to restore it back to uh, semi-natural ancient woodland, which is what the majority of the forest is. So, yeah, it's um, really beautiful broadleaves, so, mostly. I just love it now, with the yellows and the oranges and, and still the, 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 the greens too. It's just beautiful, isn't yep, it? Yeah, so, it's just starting to change, so... Yeah. And how long have you been a ranger here? Uh, about eight and a half years now. Mm-hmm. And how do you feel about the forest as a place for you and for other people to come to? Oh, I just love it. There's nowhere I'd rather be. It's one of the nicest places that I know where you can go, relax, uh, get a bit closer to nature, come walk my dog, and then you see all sorts of families out enjoying it. It's just it's lovely. And it's the, the place for the geocaching to take place. Now, is that something very different for this forest to, to have happening in it? Does it bring people, other people into the forest? It's brought a huge amount of people in today. Um, it's the first big geocaching event that we've had. We've got smaller caches that are permanently in the forest, but this is the biggest single event we've had since I've been here. But you say you already have a few caches. Now, how did that happen? Is it, are they Forestry Commission? No, people approach us if they want to put a cache in the forest and the Forestry Commission has a look at the area that they want to put it in to make sure that we're not doing any harvesting works or to make sure that it's not going to be in an area, for example, where the field archery is set up. Mm-hmm. And then as long as we okay it, they can put them in. Um, I mean, I'm just looking now just behind you, Joe. Um, there's a, a tree fallen down across the main path, but mm. I suspect that was maybe one of the rides yeah. for the hunting. Yes, uh, Solsi's an ancient hunting forest, and the king would have gathered all of his sort of cronies together in the middle of the forest, Solsi Lawn, and they would have all gone off hunting throughout the forest for wild boar and deer and stuff like that. So <laughs> obviously we don't have wild boar anymore, we've still got some deer here. I'm just watching a geocacher come up this ancient ride, all right? <laughs> and he's got his little geo-finding coordinate gizmo, and he's got his baby in a papoose on his back, and yep. he's marching along this ancient ride, you know, yeah, with the technology. Yeah, it's changed a bit since the medieval kings were here, I think. Hello. Hello. I was just watching you come along the ride. You know, that's where kings used to chase deer. Oh, okay. Did you know that? No, not at all. <laughs> Is this a first-time visit to the forest? It's a first-time visit to the forest, yes. Where uh, are you from? Central Bedfordshire. We're making a whole weekend out of this. so. Uh, and were you a geocacher anyway? Yes, yes. I've been a geocacher for oh, the last two years or so. Um, and this is the second time I've uh, been to uh, this Halloween mega. Is it a good way to use a forest? Of course it is. 
it gets people into the forest. That's the whole point, isn't it? And what age is the little one? He's 11 months old. Hello. When we did this last year, my wife, she, she did a four or five mile walk and she was, what, two weeks off having him. It's she, right and fitting that he's with you now. He's right and fitting <laughs> that he's with us now. Now I've got to try and find some more. What, which one are you looking for? Well, they, they, there's what we class as an earth cache, which is based right at this point. So, and, and basically an earth cache is not like a geocache where we're trying to find something. Actually, this is geared up to actually try and teach people about the geology of the certain area. So we where you're, where Joe you're, Roberts with so us. She's the forest ranger. Is, so what you've come looking for what? Well, well, it's called Muddy Mammoth Monster, which I'm assuming is to do with uh, the tree that's fallen beside us. Uh-huh. So during the Second World War, elephants yes. from circuses were put to use to fell trees. At Ground Zero, there is a pond named the Elephant Pond, where the elephants could bathe at the end of the day. Which there you I, go. Which is, I assume, right what we're there. looking at there. Yep. So there's um, a bridge that crosses it, and there's the water underneath. And what's the story, Joe? The story is, is this gentleman said in the last World War there was a circus nearby and when the transport links got cut off, circuses couldn't move on to the next destination. So there were two elephants, Molly and Mannequin, who were with the circus and the guys who were working here at the time used the elephants to help pull timber out um, for the war effort to prop up the, the pits. And at the end of the day they were washed down in here. And when they could move on again they went to Chester Zoo with their mahout as well. So they all went there en masse, and that's where they stayed. So for you, I didn't ask your name. What's your name? Ben. For you, Ben, you wouldn't have known the elephant pond was here if it hadn't been for being able to read about it on the geocache. Not at all. Um, In a moment, I'm going to try and uh, answer the questions. Well, I'll follow you then. Joe might have the answer. Yeah, that's what I'm hoping, actually. (laughs) And there's a a murky water pool beneath this. Lots of leaves, yellow leaves, have fallen on the surface, so that brightens it up a bit. So we want to look at the cross-section of the bank of the pond, and what is the depth of the gravel substrate layer above the clay layer? So... I imagine the best spot to look is over there, where you've got the... You can see the the layers. Yeah. Um, Where the earth is bared. Yeah, I can't see any gravel there. You see any gravel? Oh, well, I'm assuming the clay layer is probably the, 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 the brownier layer at the bottom. Yeah. Um, so I assume then probably the gravel layer is the layer above it. Yeah. <laughs> okay, what are so you writing down then? I'm writing down the answers because basically the way that we log this one, rather than writing our names in a logbook, is we'll answer the questions and then we'll email um, the person who set this cache up. If we get our answers right, we're allowed to log it on the website. <laughs> yeah. And then we need a photo. So... Makes you stop and look. Yes. Doesn't it? Properly. I've never looked at it properly. No. <laughs> I'll say, I, I, I would never have known this was um, used for elephants in World War II. Very good. So you're brought here, you learn to discover the place, it maybe encourages you to find out more, maybe return. Yeah. So there's a lot of good things about connecting people to the landscape in it. I personally disagree with you slightly about the returning side of things. Yes, you come to a nice place and so forth. But actually, the thing with geocaching is it gets you to places that you wouldn't normally go to. Because once you've found all the geocaches in a certain area, you then go and find a different location. I mean, I've walked for many years, but actually, since geocaching, I've seen places on my doorstep that I never knew existed, simply because there was a cache there. I've cached in France, in Belgium, in America, Thailand, Spain, um, yeah... In fact, actually, um, in, in America, there's um, 
a trail on north of um, Las Vegas on the extraterrestrial highway, and there's 1,500 caches on that. Uh, One might uh, be left by an alien. Yeah, yeah. well, I was going to say, and actually, when you look at the map, they're set out at the end in the shape of an alien face. <laughs> cool. So, yeah, you know, there are, there, there are some very um, obsessed people about caching and poking around. Hi. Could I disturb you for a minute? You're busy sure. recording some of uh, the information that is required yes. for this particular cache. Yes. Are you dedicated geocachers? Yes. Yes. <laughs> Unashamedly, yes. Unashamedly, yes. Absolutely. <laughs> and, and you're well kitted out. Now, you have, obviously, the rucksacks and waterproof and good boots. You have something strapped on there. What's that? It's a little bit boring. It's a, it's a watch with the barometer and temperature built into it. Right. And then on the other side, strapped onto your rucksack, you have a little sachet that you can keep your GPS unit in and close it up if it starts to rain. Yeah. That's clever. You had yours on I a use, smartphone? I use my phone, yeah. How, how long have you been a geocacher? Since February 2005. Quite and th- early on then? Yes, yes. yes. The, like the, you know, where I come from, Cotswolds, there was very little caches there, but now there's you know, cholesterol caches around. Have yeah. you left one anywhere? I've published 55 in total myself, so I've done a few. And what sorts of places have you chosen? Um, sometimes it's to bring somebody to an area that they didn't realise was there by one was in the edge of Gloucester called uh, St. Bridge Balancing Pond, and a lot of locals didn't even realise there's this little nature reserve within the built-up area. Well, I won't keep you back. Okay. Um, could I ask, you know, in total over the years, how many caches you've notched up? I'm about nearly 4,000 at the moment. <gasps> On your? I'm nearly 5,400. <laughs> oh <my goodness. laughs> That's amazing. But there's people a lot more than that. Yeah. The highest two in the country are over 30,000. Oh, you have a long way to go. <laughs> We're just beginners. Yes, get cashing. Thank you. <laughs> nice to meet you. Okay, Bye. It's 7 o'clock in the evening and people have been out all day going through Salsi Forest looking for the caches, but this is the exciting nighttime hunt. And I'm heading out with Suzanne because the to go this way. Because the nighttime trails have been released and everybody floods out of the centre back into the forest. Right, I jump in. Right. This is actually very exciting. No really it's the best bit. Right. Now the thing is that some of the uh, caches, you know, they're ghoulish and ghostly and have animatronics in them and there'll be all sorts of incredible things happening in the wood. We've got the coordinates plumbed in, we know where we're heading and we're off. And everybody, everybody that's walking won't be there yet, so we might have a first to find. Oh my gosh. Right, which way am I going at the end? Turn right. Cool. Right, right, right. Is it just up here on the right? Yeah, oh yes, park here. Somebody else is here. Oh, oh man. Here. No. Man, get your boots on fast, guys. Fast, 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 fast. Into the dark wood. And we're off. <laughs> Everything you ever learnt in fairy tales, you now yeah. throw out the window. We're going into the wood in the dark. And then you a torch. Torch, I've got a head torch. Oh. Down this path. Into the dark. Through the forestry commission gate. Round the side. Right, let's check the GPS. Can't really see much round me. We've only got a beam of light and our shadows in front of us. You can hear the roar of traffic on the on the motorway. 
We've come off the path into the wood. We've found, oh, there's a red brick foundations, as it were. And we just squeeze through. And oh, I can already hear. Oh. I can't. How do you open it? <laughs> it's this half skeleton, red flashing eyes, and the arms are waving about in a ghoulish way. And you open the box, and these skeletal hands spring out at you. <laughs> Dare you reach in there? <laughs> it's a bit scary. Oh. Hopefully, the logbook's in here. <laughs> in a miniature coffin. Now, what do you do? We're looking to see if any other signatures are in the book. And a blank sheet. A blank sheet, which means we're first to find this particular cast. Yay! 